Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Did aliens influence or even manufacture early human beings? Who were they and where did they come from? If you belong to a religion, is it okay to believe in this stuff? Hello and welcome to the 1018th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno coming to you from WOON AM and FM radio here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live and on YouTube. I'm Ben and uh, Paul is with us as well via Zoom. And uh, uh, Hello everybody and welcome to the show. Yes, Lovely to have you all with us, especially on this very, very uh, special show that we have today, uh, where we are pleased to help launch the 2023 Western Connecticut UFO Conference, based at the Danbury Public Library in Connecticut. And uh, with us today is uh, conference organizer Aurelio Maraca, the man, myth, the legend, the head of the Technology Center at the library. Hello. Actually, not the head of the uh, Technology Center, head of the Maker Lab, but thank you so much for having uh, me here today and kicking off the uh, uh, Western Connecticut uh, UFO Conference for 2023. It's going to be a, a wonderful week of presentations. Uh, most of them will be, uh, actually the majority of them will be virtual except for Saturday. Saturday at the Danbury Library will be in person, so be sure to go there. We will have Michael Panicello, the executive director for MUFON Connecticut, there, uh, actually streaming in. And also we'll have uh, Mark D'Antonio, the uh, chief and video and photo analyst for MUFON. He will be there in person. Yes, and it's it's been a lot of fun being a, being a part of this event. My my dad and myself, if I may speak for you a little bit, dad, that we've we've watched this event grow and change over time, and it's really it's really evolved into something special. And speaking of special, we have a very special guest with us today, um, and you've seen him on History Channel's Ancient Aliens, uh, The Real, uh, Forty Four Hundred, The Abduction Diaries, and many more shows. And we're honored to have him back today uh, to take questions uh, from our radio and conference audiences. Uh, a native of Baltimore, Maryland, Reverend Michael J.S. Carter worked for many, many years as an actor in New York City before deciding to enter the ministry. Uh, he earned his Master's of, of Divinity degree uh, from Union Theological Seminary in New York City in 2000. He has been a hospital chaplain. He has served uh, Un- Unitarian Universalist congregations and most recently moved to North Carolina uh, to continue his ministry there. Uh, Michael is a longtime UFO contactee and the author author of four books uh, that I know of, uh, including the Amazon bestseller, Alien Scriptures, Extraterrestrials in the Holy Bible. So, Reverend Michael J. Carter, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. It's been a while, but it's been a a pleasure always. This is a Sunday off for me, so... I guess today we'll have a special kind of service. Well, I guess in a sense, yeah. I mean, we're all we're all congregating in, in a way, in a, in a in a 21st century yes. way. Well, you know, it's always a pleasure, and I was looking forward to this. So um, it's a gorgeous fall day here too in the Appalachian Mountains, and uh, it's just beautiful. So this is a good way for me to spend at least some of it. Yeah, fair enough. Well, Aurelio, take it away. Well, uh, we'll, um, if you have any questions from our audience, uh, please go ahead and um, type it into the chat. I will be relaying any of these questions to the uh, 
um, Reverend Michael Carter or to Paul and Ben. I uh, just wanted to let you know that afterwards at 1 p.m. we will be having an, a further uh, session with Reverend Michael Carter, uh, at basically a Q&A session. So uh, I have some questions lined up for him. If you have any questions that we can't get to in the next hour, please, please, you know, uh, save them for the 1 p.m. Q&A session. Also, just to let you know, tomorrow we will have a, uh, a virtual uh, Zoom event with Tom Reed, um, who's going to be talking about the Berkshire UFO, the evidence, backlash, and congressional hearings. That is at 6 p.m. There is still plenty of room for you guys to register. And also on Tuesday, October 24th, uh, starting at 6 p.m., we will have Linda Zimmerman, who uh, will be doing 100 years of Connecticut sightings. And also on Wednesday, October 25th, we have uh, uh, former uh, guest ho- uh, uh, guest on the show, Peter Robbins, uh, Alien Abduction Phenomenon, oh. Journey of Investigation and Discovery. And, of course, on Saturday, we will be having an in-person day uh, uh, with um, uh, Michael Panicello starting at 1030, uh, his presentation on USO's Underwater Submersible Objects, a case study. And at 12 p.m., we will have Light Years to Earth with uh, uh, um, uh, astronomer Mark D'Antonio. And then on Sunday, the conference ends at 1 p.m. We will have a special guest, Michael Schratt, be talking about advanced man-made technology, exposing America's classified assets and secret budget. So if you have any questions right now, please pass them on to me. If not, I can go ahead and, you know, ask you a question, Michael. Well, I can start with one. Okay, go Michael, ahead. Michael, you yourself are an experiencer. Can you tell us about your own experience as a UFO contactee? Yes, yes. Um Yes, I am an experiencer. Uh, my first conscious um, experience was December 28, 1989. Um, I was coming back from the uh, pyramids in Chichen Itza and Tulum on the Yucatan uh, with my girlfriend at the time. And um, I want to say before all this happened, I did not even believe in UFOs, did not believe in it and ironically if someone had asked me why i would have said because it's not in the bible (laughs) but i was young and foolish then well at least i was foolish then i uh i came back and um i decided to go to a gathering i was invited to we got off at jfk my girlfriend at the time said she was exhausted so she you know she stayed in the apartment I caught the subway down to Hell's Kitchen, got together with some friends. Um, no alcoholic beverages were consumed. Uh, plenty of deviled eggs. I'm a deviled egg freak. And I love, I-, I love them so much. It's just, anyway, so I-, I went home. And I don't know to this day whether I had to get up to use the bathroom or, um, you know, maybe I sent something in the room, but I turned over, and there was a being um, at the foot of my bed, about three and a half, four feet tall, was not gray, was more of a whitish kind of chalk color. Huge head, I call them Ray-Ban eyes, those eyes, and had on a jumpsuit that looked like Reynolds wrap. It was tight-fitting, 
this person was very spindly looking, and I thought I was going to have a heart attack. And so I stared at them. They stared at me. There was a blue light around this individual. And then around that light, around that, my room was lit up like Times Square. My girlfriend at the time did not wake up. She would not move. I pulled the covers up over my head and got into the fetal position. I had never been that scared. And I felt... I heard and felt this wind, like whoosh, whoosh. And finally, I grew a pair, and I pulled the covers down, and nobody was there. Nobody was there. My, 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 my girlfriend did wake up, and I told her about it. She's a very understanding people. She didn't say, what are you, some kind of a nut? She just she 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 stayed with me present, and this happened every full and new moon for about eight months to a year. I would usually be paralyzed. Um, you know, if there was any communication, it was telepathic. And during this time, I wound up seeing uh, a reptilian. But it was usually I call them the gray the gray people, the star people. Later on in life. I wound up having a healing from a Nordic person. I saw an Octurian, a praying mantis person. But this 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 encounter started me off, Paul, uh, on the journey, taking me challenging my fundamentalistic at the time religious beliefs, um, and and seeing me more and more into uh, metaphysics, philosophy. I was already on that path anyway, but this. This experience kind of accelerated, kind of expedited it. I grew spiritually. Um, I got by on less sleep. I got, I started getting to energy healing and Reiki. Um, physiolo, my, my hair and would grow fast. My hair and nails grew fast. Again, much less sleep. Um, you know, I was having more psychic phenomenon, if you will more metaphysical kinds of experiences. And that was the, 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 where the rubber hit the road. These other experiences, we I'm, feel free to talk about, but they went on later on. I wound up um, changing, you know, my outlook about Christianity, wound up leaving at least Orthodox Christianity altogether. And now I'm back understanding it more. And on a deeper level. Now I got it. Sorry about that. Go ahead, Michael. Oh no, that's okay. Yeah, that that that's that's how I began. Uh, as I said later on, I started having visits. I had two visits from reptilians, and and I was conscious for this. This was not like oh, I was in a dream state. They would walk through my wall. They would come in. Uh, uh, the reptilian touched me, and said, "Don't be afraid." Easy for him to say. Looking back, he was beautiful, uh, muscular, had on a, 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 um, like a, what we would call a wife beater, had a tail. Uh, his the, the pupils went like a cat; they went uh, vertical. Um, and 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 then later on, uh, as I said, years later, I had a healing from a Nordic person. Uh, so I, I got to, I, I, it was it was coming fast and furious. Um, and what can I say? It changed me. Now, 
you know, Bud Hopkins, Bud, the late Bud Hopkins, he, he helped my sanity because uh, I, I knew I, I figured I wasn't crazy, you know, and the late Jean Mundy, she was the first hypnotherapist that I went to. Um, so that was helpful, but I was still losing sleep, living kind of a double life. I wound up going to a support group in New York. I was living in New York at the time, which did help, but I was starting to see my experiences more in a positive light. Not that I didn't have trauma. I still do. Uh, I have a hard time being alone here. I have a lot, I have a hard time being alone, especially at night when my wife goes away. If she's working or whatever because of the post-traumatic stress. However, having said that, I still look on my experiences as though they were helpful to me. They they made me grow. They made me. They challenged me. Uh, but at that time, it was either you were in John Mack's camp. At that time, Bud was kind of with David Jacobs, and we would get together. The support group I was in was more John Mack-ish. And we would get together with Bud's group, which was, you know, people had traumatic things happen to them. Ovum taken, sperm taken, uh, uh, rectal probes. I mean, horrific things. So I don't want to um, do an us versus them thing. But I, I, I did start writing my books because I wanted people to see that there were some of us in the community that we felt that these things were uh um, positive despite the trauma and that they were more more about a spiritual message as opposed to tech not over over um, not dismissing technological um, inquisition and that kind of thing but we thought it was kind of bigger than that so that's where we were uh, I, I almost lost my job at one of the churches uh, because of this, uh, a friend, well, not a friend, but a, a congregate turned on uh, TV late one night, saw me on Ancient Aliens, and called the board and said, I don't want my minister talking about little green men, was the way she phrased it. And she came to the board to to have them take my job. But luckily, they stuck with me. You know, I love philosophy, and one of my favorite philosophers is Kierkegaard, and he was saying that life has lived forward, but it's only understood backwards. And looking back, you know, my seminary union, excellent seminary, one of the top seminaries in the country, very progressive theologically, rigorous. When I brought this up as a possible master's thesis, they were all for it. And very easily, they could have said, you're not going to graduate from here, talking about tripe like that, but... Uh, I had an offer to, for a Ph.D. in systematic theology. Uh, I had two other offers for people uh, to stay on for, for a Ph.D. I didn't want to do that and be my age still paying school loans. But uh, it was it was it was encouraging. And I've always tipped my hat to union for allowing that to happen. The courage to say, OK, this is a subject worry, worthy of your inquiry. Let's see what you do with it. My first, book, Alien my first book, my, Alien Scriptures, was, was, was my master's thesis. My seminary threw me the heck out. So you were mm. lucky. I was very lucky. I was very fortunate. I think now 
people, I think now institutions would be a little more lenient. Maybe I'm delusional. But I also think now, I mean, I graduated in 2000. That was 23 years ago. But um, I think a lot of clergy know what I'm saying is true. And um, I, I, I think, but, but, you know, if you come out and talk about this, man, you, you lose your job. So I don't want to be judgy. It depends on how much leeway. I grew up Baptist, but I'm in a UU congregation now. So I have a little more wiggle room. I don't talk about it from the pulpit, at least not like I I don't force it on people. I do bring it up because people know they turn on the TV. They've read my books, but I don't I have a little more wiggle room than maybe more clergy men and women who are in a more doctrinal situation because you have to gauge how far can I stretch my congregation and still keep my job. So I've been very fortunate. I know someone asked me if my wife had any experiences, but I don't want to speak for her. That's her private. Um, that's her privacy. So I, I, I won't answer that. Maybe uh, I already answered it. Maybe I answered it by not answering it, but I, I, I don't want to yeah. get into that. Yeah. If we don't have uh, any more. Ben, no, you my, ex-wife, my ex-wife has. My ex-wife has. I can tell you that. I mean, I do have questions, uh, but I, I, I want to, you know, it's not really, not, not super duper fair. So Aurelio, if there's no, if there's nothing floating around in the chat besides that, that last question, I can, I can. Oh, would you have one? Uh, let okay. me just uh, go ahead and. Uh, I can answer that question if it's about what, what makes me think that they were positive despite the trauma, um, because of the, the personal growth that I went through, because of, um, uh, I was already on this path. Please, you know, I was in therapy. I was meditating. I was reading and exploring. So it wasn't like, bam, they snapped the finger or waved the wand. But I became more of, I think, who I'm supposed to be. I became more of a human being. I became more risking being vulnerable, um, more willing to say, I'm frightened. I'm scared. I love you. I don't know. That was a big one. Um, and just that I became a more loving person. And I really believe that by, by, by their fruits, you will know people. And so I started not only to know and explore mentally, but I started to live it. Not that I wasn't before, but it kind of expedited it. And so to me, it was worth it. I can't say it was worth it for everybody. As I mentioned before, I have a hard time sometimes being alone here, uh, mostly because that they can show up like that, and some of them look a little bizarre. I mean, if you went to sleep tonight and uh, you woke up and you saw me standing over your bed, I look very human, but it would probably give you a fright. So put that on steroids if you see a little gray brother or sister there. Even if you saw... You know, a Nordic person there, probably the fright would be a little lower. But, you know, they look some, some of them look very bizarre and they can come up like that. But the proof is in the pudding about how I live my life um, from from a, from a centered place, from a place of love, from a place of authenticity. And um, that's how I knew I had to work at that. They didn't make it happen. 
but I was already on that path. And after those experiences, they change you just just very quickly. Once you get it, once you come to the conclusion that we are in a populated universe and that there are different demographics out there, a universe teeming with life, your your perception and idea of God or non-God has to change. It has to. You can't. It's like Oliver Wendell Holmes. Once the mind is stretched to a certain level, it can never go back. Well, that's what happens. And you just can't go back to the old way of thinking and relating. So At least I couldn't. Here's a question. Um, switching gears ever so slightly to kind of um, pick up uh, where we started the show off. So we so we we started the show off. We like to start off with rhetorical questions because it's it's fun. Um, but it's it's not super rhetorical because I think it is pertinent. Which is um, you know did did aliens influence or even manufacture early human beings? And to to add a little bit onto that, are to kind of talk a little a little bit about extraterrestrials and scripture, right? Um, do you believe that? Well, if if are all the entities in the Bible? you know, extraterrestrials, and, and if not, you know, if not all of them are, if it's only some, right, what are they? Uh, yes to all of the above, at least in my estimation. If you go to Genesis 6, obviously, uh, uh, when because of that mistranslation, Zechariah Sitchin was one of the very few who got us to realize that uh, uh, let us create man in our image, that it's a plural verb. Um, if you look at the Mayan Popovu, of course, if you go back even further to the Mesopotamian text, the Epic of Gilgamesh, uh, that the uh, struggle between Enki and Enlil, um, yes, we were visited and have been uh, throughout antiquity. As far as all of them being extraterrestrial, I don't know. I think that almost all of the First Testament, what we call the Old Testament, is our ancestors telling us what it was about uh, uh, living in the crossfire between these beings um, who were battling over Project Earth, uh, over um, uh, humanity. Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking, if you go to First Kings 22, um, verses 19 to 23, we see Micaiah, who is a minor prophet, but he's a prophet, not Micah. Micaiah, he remote views an extraterrestrial council meeting where there's, there's a false flag operation is being discussed by Yahweh and others. And in this story, and you can go read it yourself, um, uh, Yahweh is still influencing the foreign policy of the Israelites and he wants to go to war with a group of people. And so what he does is he says at the council, which sometimes is referred to as the heavenly host or the divine council, I call it um, a galactic council, if you will. Um, and one of, he says, who will put a lying spirit in this prophet's mouth? And a being steps forward. And in the Bible, it says a spirit steps forward. It doesn't say an angel. It doesn't say one like the Son of Man, which is more like a youth trying to express a, 
what it's like to be humanoid. It says a spirit steps forward and says, I will go and I will do it. So I kind of look at that as saying this may not have been an extraterrestrial. It was referred to as a spirit. It could have been an iconic being, as we hear in the Gnostic scriptures. could have been a pure energy being. But he, he steps forward and he says, I will do it. I say that anywhere that you see the word angel in the Bible or Lord, if you replace that with, well, angel's messenger, right, Um uh, but if you replace that with Elohim, you get a true picture of what's going on, uh, at, at least in the Old Testament. Uh, they, they're in the volume New down. Well, they're in the New Testament. The volume as well. Well, I, I hope that kind of answers that question. No, it is. It is interesting because it's a it's a fascinating topic because one of the uh, fascinating things, and also possibly pitfalls, depending on on who you are and how you read it. You can you can read um, you know the the Bible in many different ways, and it, it's kind of like you put on like a looking glass and you look at it. And, and depending on on your sort of background, it, it can fill a myriad of different things. And it's you you can see it, you can read it, you're like, wow, this pertains to me. What what I'm dealing with right now? There's a situation, you know, whether it's moral, ethical, whatever, whatever I'm dealing with in my daily life, and it's you know, it's, you know, it, it matches. And you can also read it in an in in an oddly, in a mythological sense, not meaning that it's fake, but meaning that it's a story in which we participate. And there's a really interesting thing that I, I you know it. it that I, I want to bring up with that, which if there's no other questions, uh, if there's no questions, Aurelio, um, I, I can... Go I, ahead. Yeah, Go sure, ahead. sure thing. So there's... So I, I guess with with this with this interpretation, um, or, well, maybe it's not interpretation, maybe it's fact, I don't know. Is it... Have you ever been asked the question or, or really sort of been... been approached with the idea that is this could be a straight-up scientific materialist argument for the Bible. That, okay, well, there's no, you know, depth to reality other than, well, it's aliens came and they made us, you know, rather than, you know, something more complicated. You, do, you, do you see what I'm saying? Where it's like, you know... I don't, I, yes, I think I do, but I don't... It, it's, it, I, I think that that argument is is weak in the sense that all mostly all the civilizations on the earth, if you go to South Africa, if you go to the Nordic countries, if you go to Japan, they all talk about these beings who came down and started civilization, mm. who taught the ancestors. Now, not unless that's a mass hallucination, which I really doubt. Um, I think our ancestors, were, you know, they're telling us the same story that we were genetically engineered uh, and that there have been certain cataclysms and then we start all over again. Plato talks about it. So I, I, I don't think that this is um, uh, some mass hallucination. I know that's not the word you use. I think that uh, we can take our ancestors at their word. I think the only thing that we must look at is that, I don't remember all the Hebrew and Greek I had in seminary, but... You know, we're being told that these beings have come down, and some of them were, um, were, 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 they cared about humanity. Asherah, 
for instance, is the female entities, uh, showed the Mesopotamian not only how to make beer, which thank goodness for her, you know, uh, uh, Ben Franklin said that beer is God's way of saying that he loves us. But, um, you know, and started civilization, husbandry, how to, to, to farm, how, you know, um, and then there was some like Yahweh who, um, and it's alluded to more and more in the Mesopotamian text that didn't that just wanted us to keep us in a slave state that that to keep us ignorant that we didn't even know we were naked. I think that um, and, and and it's all you have to look at the translations. So so I don't I, I think it's right there. I, I think that in Western culture we've been looking at it with our eyes wide shut, and and now we're seeing it. You know. With, with this spoon-fed disclosure, and I think that we just have to get over it and get it that we're not the highest uh, on the food chain, that their advanced civilizations have come and gone, um, that we may be on a cycle where this civilization may come and go and um, start to grow up as a species, and maybe we can be part of this galactic community if we can learn to live together. Mm. Aurelio, I did see a question come in, so if you want to pose that. Certainly. Uh, when you said earlier, if you read it and replace it with Elon and you would understand what was going on, can you please clarify what you meant? Sure. Uh and I'm going with Genesis 6. The Mesopotamian texts have no shame in it. They're not ashamed. They're saying that these are sky people. The, 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 the editors and redactors of the Bible wanted to, around the 6th century CE and 7th century CE, uh, King Hezekiah wanted to make Judaism, and of course Josiah later, wanted to make Judaism monotheistic. And that was the big deal that Yahweh was like, you can't have any other gods before me. You cannot look. You cannot make a craven image of any other gods. This is where we're going. Now, hold on, because I want to give you the scriptural stuff to back it up so you can do your own research. Uh, in Deuteronomy 32, uh, verse 8, Yahweh is given Palestine. All the ET races are allotted land. So that's his land. So he was like a junior commander. And he used the people in that land for his purposes. That's why he's saying you have other people in the land. You have Dagon. You have Asherah. You have other ETs there, other gods, if you will. And he is saying no. We don't want that. You do not. You do not mingle with them. So, King Hezekiah, Josiah's grandfather, wanted, and the priest, they were Yahwist. And they wanted to make, they wanted one temple, Jerusalem. They wanted one God. They wanted one government. Same thing you see that's going on now. Because primitive Judaism was polytheistic. They had all, and you can read in Jeremiah, you can read this whole thing when Yahweh is saying, he's angry that people go back to worship the old gods. David did, his uh, Solomon did, 
And so when you look at it that way, the Elohim are plural. There's a council, let us make man in our image. You realize that there's more than one God. And so the, the, the misunderstanding is that we look at those stories and look at them as God stories. They're not God stories. Because if they were, the God in there is a psychopath. And so they were trying to clean this up for po political reasons, for one religion, one God, one foreign policy. And if you look at it that way, it makes much more sense. Now, when Jesus comes along thousands of years earlier, there's, there's, a, there's a wrinkle there. But, but if you look at the Old Testament in that way, and that's the way ancestors were writing. Remember, Genesis is, is pretty much a copy of of the Mesopotamian Sumerian texts, and they're not ashamed. They're not talking about some omnipotent, omnipresent. They're saying these space people came here, these sky people came here, and this is what happened. They genetically engineered us, not once, but a few times. So that's what I mean. Elohim is plural, more than one. The interesting thing in Genesis is that when if you read it as a God story, you miss it. But one thing is the sun, the moon, everything is made. But guess what's already here? The planet was already here. The earth was already here. Pick up your Bible and go look at those stories. There are at least three different creation stories in Genesis. But you get, but if you look at it that way, you see, well, wait a minute, what really is going on here? If you read it as a God story, it makes no sense because he's so, he's, uh, Yahweh is, is no interracial marriage, make sure you circumcise, um, uh, uh, he's killing folk, he, you know, there's genocide, they destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, is that the God you really want to worship? Because if you do, then you have to justify genocide. And when you do that, you, you lose a little piece of yourself. You have to, you have to do these mental gymnastics about your morals. Uh, uh, and so there, there you have it. Um, how does God fit in spiritually? Um, I don't know. I, I do believe in something greater than myself, but I believe the gift in that is that you get to find that out on your own. You don't have to believe what I tell you or a priest tells you or an imam. You get to make that search on your own rather than have someone tell you and have you paying, praying, and obeying. But when you look at the Old Testament and you look at those stories, Josiah, uh, Hezekiah, again, 6th and century BCE, they wanted to, and then Rome does it in 325 when it becomes the official religion of Rome, but there's the pyramid. There is the God, there's the God, there's the emperor, there's God, the emperor, and then there are priests and bishops, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, bishops and senators, and then there are the priests and us. So there you have it. And that's why some of our leaders say they can tra trace their their bloodline all the way back, thousands and thousands of years, because they trace it back to the gods. First you had extraterrestrials here. You know they were extraterrestrial because when you look at the Sumerian kings list 
and the Egyptians kings list. These people are living sometimes over, they're ruling over 200,000 years. No human being is doing that. Then when they leave, when they back off, then you have the demigods or the hybrids. The Epic of Gilgamesh, perfect example. He is a hybrid. He is part, uh, his daddy's a god, his mother isn't. Sounds a little bit like Jesus. Okay, and the, so they're, 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 they're the rulers. And they're ruling like some of these gods did, which were vicious and brutal. Then when they leave, they leave the priests and they leave the bishops, what we would call priests and bishops today. And they're, they're, they're governing like they saw others govern. And again, then you have other uh, uh, beings who were extraterrestrial and they taught us, they helped us to rebuild civilization after cataclysms. They came and taught how to farm, how to uh, 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 how to have sanitation, how to build cities. If you go to Genesis 11 and the rocket, it, the word is Shem. They're not. They're not building a tower of Babel. They're building a rocket ship because they want to be like the gods. It's more like the story of Prometheus. And what do the gods do? They say we got to mess this up. They're, they're starting to get a little above themselves. They're starting to get like us. They're starting to get like us. So what do they do? They mix up the language. They keep them from because there are some of them, even to this day, there are some extraterrestrials who want disclosure and want us to evolve. And there's some who are just here because we're, you know, we're an inconvenience. They're treaty signed. Uh, we're, we're, we're an inconvenience. And they just want what the planet has to offer. And that's what our that's what our ancestors, I believe, were trying to tell us um, in the Old Testament that we can have a better human experience. But there's an extraterrestrial overlay. I mean, come on, uh, Brigadier General Hayam Mashad in 2020 for 28 years, head of Israel's chief of security. It was his job to know if we had contact. He stepped forward. It was uh, uh, 28. Um, it was December 20th, and he said that we have been in contact, Israel, United States, uh, uh, covert governments, for more than 70 years. We've been sharing technology. We've been collaborating, research projects on the surface of Mars. Who would be more credible than to say this? He said that, that there's a faction, there's a galactic council. Those are the words he used. Look it up. And he said that there's some ETs who want disclosure and some don't. The ones who don't say we're not ready for it yet and that we need to have a better understanding of what space is. Now, that's intriguing. But he's saying the same thing our ancestors were saying, that there is a galactic council, that there's a group of ETs. And guess what? When he said it, nobody came forward and said, what are you, some kind of a nut? Nobody said that. Nobody said that. So, 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 and there's, I can give you other examples aside from Grush and Elizondo. Um, hold on, I'm looking. Of course, the Vatican has been talking about this since 2008. But hold on. Let me, let me, let me, uh, uh, cause there have been other people talking about it. Who was the ex-president of, um, of Russia? 
of Russia. You're trying to find his name here. Medved. Okay, well, before I get to him, the former head of French intelligence, Alain Juliet, said publicly that everything that Elizondo was saying was true. This is French. So when people say, it, it irritates me, when people say that there's no disclosure, what do you think this is? It's been spoon-fed. There are reasons for that. But this is disclosure. If you're waiting for the emperor, if you're waiting for Biden or Trump or whoever else to come out on the White House lawn and tell you, good luck with that. In 2008, Dmitry Medvedev, the deputy chairman of the Security Council of the Russian Federation, on a hot mic, on a live mic, said that each prime minister of Russia is given a dossier detailing the spacefaring civilizations in which we are already in contact with. President Putin didn't come on and say, what are you, crazy? They didn't have him hospitalized or medicated. He did, Putin didn't go on camera and make any remarks distancing himself. And, he, you know, for him to say that, he had to have a clearance. This, my friends, is disclosure. And so we have people talking about my friends in the UFO community. Well, I don't get into politics. How can you not? This is exopolitics. You're in it up to your eyeballs. You're in it up to your eyeballs. And our, and our, and our ancestors in the Old Testament were trying to say there's an extraterrestrial overlay. There's a hidden hand in government. There's a hidden hand in our economics. And we need to be aware of that. Someone asked me about, but I'm not going in, maybe later, into Jesus. It changes a bit. But there are extraterrestrials in the New Testament as well. We could argue that Jesus is a hybrid. But we're going with the Old Testament now because that's why we have all these problems from a religious standpoint. We worship a God because of a mistranslation who was into colonization, foreign policy, uh, and obeyance, and obeyance. And he ruled by fear. He ruled by fear. Yahweh. Well, on that very powerful note, um, I guess before we run out of time here, it's just blowing right through the hour. Uh, so, Reverend, can you tell us a little bit about your, your books, uh, what you're working on, where people can find out more about you, all that good stuff? Sure. Yeah, thank you. Um, my books, I have five books. Um, I just, shameless promotion, I just happen to have them here. That's why, um, you, that's why you're here. <laughs> yes. The first, uh, shameless, um, Alien Scriptures, Extraterrestrials, and the Holy Bible, Whitley Strieber said at the time, and he was gracious because I didn't even believe it, but he said it was one of the best book written on the subject. I love Whitley, even before he said that. Then part two was A New World If you, We Can Take It, God, Extraterrestrials, and the Evolution of Human Consciousness. I was tired of being, I didn't want to be just dubbed as the extraterrestrial minister, but it's kind of stuck. But I wrote a book called God Consciousness. It's a 30-day meditation manual from wisdom all over the globe. Atheist, humanist, religious folks. Uh, and I wrote a book called The Metaphysics of Spiritual Healing and the Power of Affirmative Prayer. My last book is called Initiation. It's a handbook for people who are experiencers. It's called Initiation, the Spiritual Transformation 
of the experiencer. It's a guide for people who think they may have been contacted and unsure and um, if they have friends who may have been contacted. I have a book coming out in the end of the, uh, the year. It's a book of sermons. It's called Enlightenment. And it's a book of Unitarian Universalist sermons that I've written on social justice, on spirituality, on philosophy, um, that kind of thing. It will, but all of these books and, and that book will be on Barnes and Nobles or Amazon.com. Very good. So Aurelio, do we have any more questions that we can pose to the good reverend here? Yes, we do. Um, uh, Reverend, uh, you've met, uh, different, uh, types of, uh, races. Um, yes. Um, was there a common message or purpose during, uh, you know, uh, that they, sh- they all share? And can you explain well, a little bit? Yeah. And you know, I, I should have brought them because they're around. I have the statues of them. I have a friend who makes, uh, a, a bust of every race I've seen. No. Um, um, I, okay, I, but I can I can tell you the messages that I got in that sense. Um, but no, they didn't come uh, the, the outside of um, the reptilian brother. Outside, and I know it was a brother because he had a man's voice. Um, he just told me not to be afraid and just looked at me uh, uh, and touched me and, and tried to calm me down, which didn't work. The gray people, they were the ones who got me to start looking a little deeper from that fundamentalist um uh evangelical worldview that I was looking in and they also prompted me to do healing. They pushed me to do that. I was already playing around with it, but they were like, you need to do this. Uh on back in on July on July fourth, twenty thirteen, I got a healing of a blood clot from a Nordic person. Um the the, the Arcturian person, I, I thought it was Arcturian, ball-headed and was blue. Um, and, I, and I connect that with, may not have been an Arcturian, but, you know, a lot of the Hindu gods, Krishna, uh, what are, they're, they're blue people. They're kind of blue ET. So I, I tried to draw, a, 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 try to connect some dots, but maybe not. He just appeared. The praying mantis came. Um, I spoke at a conference in... Um, uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee, I remember I drove there and, uh, there was some FBI, I mean, there was some CIA people there, retired, that, 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 that got my attention. But, um, a woman who did not attend, uh, she heard about it. She was a lawyer. I don't know what, what kind of jurisprudence she practiced. She was a lawyer and a psychic, which I thought, I said, boy, you talk about right and left hemispheres of the brain. And she said, you don't know me. I don't know you. I heard you did a wonderful job. She said, but when I think of you, I keep seeing praying mantis, praying mantis. And I said, wow, I've never seen a praying mantis. And she said to me, well, you're going to see one in the next three days. I said, really? I mean, okay. What what, what am I going to say to that? So anyway, the first night I was living alone in my apartment before we moved here to this house. And, you know, I felt, I felt that maybe it was auto-suggestion. You know, I walked from one room to another and my hair would stand on end. But my brother was murdered back in 95. Sometimes he shows up. And I know it's him because he used to smoke cigarettes. And my, my apartment would 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 smell like cigarettes. So I would know my brother's here. The second night, 
And I'm trying to say, do I have him? The second night, um, it was more pronounced. I'm trying, I might have him upstairs. I have a, a statue of the praying mantis. The second night, it was a little weird. I definitely felt that there was someone in my apartment. But I still discounted it. The third night, I'm lying on my bed. I'm too lazy to get up and go meditate. It was nighttime. I was not asleep. So I put my hands over my chest and give myself some Reiki energy. And I was going to meditate that way. And I felt my mattress go down like someone was on the bed. And when I opened my eyes about this far from my face was a praying mantis person. Uh, I don't have to describe the fear. Uh, and then he just dissolved. Like, like you see on Star Trek, just dissolved. And, uh, the, 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 the Nordic person who healed my blood clot did the same thing. After, after he healed me, um, a light came out of his hands and, uh, hit me in my stomach, a green light, a healing colored light. Um, just the molecules just dispersed. But as far as some, you know, some sexy message about we're here because of this or, you know, you guys are going to blow yourselves up or anything like that, no. No. Any more questions, Aurelio? Yes, hold on a second. Um, one question. Um, I'm, I'm looking. I'm listening. Looking for I have stopped going to church because what is being taught is not exactly what is going to happen. Asking what you think heaven will be when we cross over. Um, what exactly caused him to reevaluate uh, your religion? And um, um, let's just go with those two questions. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what heaven will be like. I don't know. I guess it's another dimension. I have met on two occasions as a chaplain, two people who died clinically dead and came back. You know, and you've heard it. You know, you see the light. You may see some loved ones. You feel an incredible sense of love and peace. What's interesting about those is that if you are a Christian, you see Jesus. If you're a Muslim, you'll see Muhammad. If you're an atheist, you'll just see the light. Maybe a being, so that's interesting. But I don't know what heaven would be like. Um, I don't know whether it's another dimension or just another um, way of, of um, being, because I, I don't think there is death, really. Uh, what made me reevaluate was when I was visited by these beings um, in 1989, it was just that, well, they visited me in December of 1989, then they may have been here in 1989 BCE. They may have been here in 19, they may have always been here. So I went with that. Like this is not some new phenomenon, but I, I just knew that what I was being taught, even without the ET overlay, was not true. I knew people who didn't believe in God or Jesus, and they treated people better than people who did. And I just said, well, wait a minute. How can that be? And I looked at the God of the Old Testament and I said, this guy needs Xanax. Uh, this is, this is, I can't, I can't, I can't say this is a God I would want to be aligned with. And then when I went to seminary and I saw the mistranslations and read some of the history, then I said, ah, this was it. So, um, 
that's that's what I did. I, I also want to be clear. I'm not saying people shouldn't believe. We all have our choices. But when I when I saw that with my experiences and then my studies and what have you, I had to change. I had to change. I couldn't look at it the same the same way. And then I started seeing clues in the Bible that were saying to me, you got a point, Michael. Maybe Yahweh is not the one for you. Maybe he's for other people, but he's not for you. So that that's 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 how I went through my metamorphosis. Well, we are coming up towards the end of the show uh, on on our end anyway, um, and I, I do think we will be continuing. So for all those who are who are in the uh, the simulcast, we will be continuing off the air uh, at the top of the hour. But unfortunately, we must do our due diligence as. Uh, you know, running running a a radio show, if you will, slash podcast. Uh, so thank you all for for being with us on our on our, our wonderful little oh, simulcast. And uh, feel free to stick around and continue to ask uh, Reverend Michael J. Carter for a for all sorts of questions and all sorts of fascinating things because this is a very interesting conversation because it's definitely one of the more fascinating takes on on you know such an it's something that really, really touches all of us, you know. I mean, we all, we all live in the Western world. We can't really escape a lot of these things. And it's, you know, exactly. it's, it's stuff we've experienced all the time. And, you know, even someone who grew up in a, a non-Western culture, it's, you know, it, it's, it's something that pervades everything and you can't really get away from it. Um, and I, I guess we can, we can start off with, with some of our announcements. And we have quite a few. So, like I said, Reverend uh, Carter will stay on the Zoom call for another hour to interact with the Western Connecticut UFO Conference audience. Um, Aurelio, as we end the, this broadcast portion, you can fill us in on what's happening for the rest of the conference. You started off with a little bit, of, a little bit of it, but for those of who who came in a little late and didn't hear, just tell us a little bit about what's going on because the conference lasts until October 29th. Thank you so much, Ben. Let me just get the uh, the schedule here, and I can just reiterate that. If any of you are interested in signing up for um, just the conference in general for the next few days, please go to danburylibrary.org, and you'll see that on the top of the page of what our schedule is like uh, starting tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow we will have uh, at 6 p.m. the Berkshires UFO, the Evidence Backlash and Congressional Hearings with Tom Reed. If any of you know Tom Reed, he's had an extraordinary experience and story uh, that continues on to this day. Uh, he actually did tell me that he will make a personal appearance on Saturday at the Danbury Library. So he will be showing up. So um, be, be sure to come to the Danbury Library on Saturday, October 28th. You'll be able to meet Tom Reed in person. Uh, also on, a, on the 24th, Tuesday, we have 100 Years of Connecticut Sightings with Linda Zimmerman. And on Wednesday, October 25th, we have Alien Abduction Phenomena, A Journey of Investigation and Discovery with Peter Robbins. So, um, and then uh, Saturday, we do have uh, USOs, uh, a case study on uh, underwater submersible objects with Michael Panicello, Executive Director of MUFON Connecticut. And at 12 p.m., we have Light Years to Earth with Mark D'Antonio, who is the Chief Photo and Video Analyst for MUFON. And Tom Reed will be making an appearance, I believe with a documentary film crew for Amazon Studios. And on Sunday, 
Another, the last virtual Zoom uh, presentation will begin at 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Advanced Man-Made Technology Exposing America's Classified Assets and Secret Budget with the great Michael Schratt. So that is all. If you ever want to, if you want to register, please go to danburylibrary.org. And so we are just about out of time. So we will end the show now and make way for the second hour of the Western Connecticut UFO Conference from the Danbury Public Library. I'm Ben Eno. 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.